0: We've said it over and over. The San Francisco Giants have a hugely important offseason ahead of them. And one of the players who could end up being in headlines is Shohei Otani. Are the Angels going to trade him? And if they do, what are the realistic chances that the Giants could get involved? We'll get to that question and many others next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network And I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And coming up on today's show, we're going to get to some more mailbag questions. Thank you so much to everyone who submits questions on Twitter. Uh, we did these on Monday and these are left over from then. Just a lot more to get to. Uncle D says, uh, shots at getting Otani. So, I get a lot of questions about Shohei Otani. I've kind of stirred the pot a little bit here. And there was some confusion. Some people have kind of tweeted at me uh, about this. And I just want to clarify. So there was this report. I mean, it's just true. The Angels and Shohei Otani agreed to a $30 million contract for 2023, avoiding arbitration. But this doesn't mean anything, really. Because he was arbitration eligible, they were eventually going to have to settle on his salary for 2023. And this is just them reaching an agreement a little bit early in the process, very early in the process, but eventually they were going to reach an agreement on his salary for next year. Otherwise, you know, you have to. So there is no otherwise. Otherwise, they would be breaking the rules of the game. You have to establish a salary. He was just one of these arbitration eligible players. The point is he's entering his last year of team control. So This is his last year of arbitration. And then after 2023, he is set to reach free agency. Shohei Otani is 28 years old. He just turned 28 in July. So when the question is shots at getting Otani, this is kind of like, I mean, it's like the Juan Soto situation, but even more realistic than it would have been entering the year with Juan Soto. It's like, Nobody was talking about Juan Soto getting dealt when we entered 2022, but it ended up happening. And this is kind of where what I'm saying when I'm talking about Shohei Otani and his status on the Angels is that this isn't getting a ton of attention at this point in time, but all it takes is one little report that the Angels are listening on Shohei Otani or the Angels, you know, are gonna trade him this winter if they can't extend him. Which to me, if you're running the Angels, obviously number one goal should be to try to extend Shohei Otani. That's not what they did with this $30 million deal. That was just simply avoiding arbitration. Extending him means buying out free agent years. And from all indications, all indications are that they've made efforts and that there doesn't seem to be any traction whatsoever. And that he wants to play for a Winner, He doesn't want to sign on for many years for the Angels who have proven that they can't win with him and with Mike Trout for years and years and years here. And so that's the situation. And so shots at getting Otani. The first thing that needs to happen is that we need to hear that the Angels are willing to move him. Because while it may be the right thing to do, it doesn't mean it's what they're going to do. Their owner is very pro star player and they get a lot of benefits from having Shohei Otani on their team. But in reality, when they really take a cold, hard look at themselves as an organization, they have to understand, if we cannot extend Shohei Otani, then really the right thing to do would be to trade him. Otherwise, you risk, basically, he'll reach free agency, you'll give him the qualifying offer, he'll reject it, and then he'll sign elsewhere, and you'll really get almost nothing in return. Whereas if you trade him now in this offseason you're still going to get a attractive package. but So that needs to happen first. They need to be willing to deal him. And then once they're willing to deal him, there's going to be 29 teams that want Sho- Shohei Otani. Maybe some teams wouldn't be able to pay the $30 million, but that certainly doesn't apply to the Giants. Uh, we talked about their payroll status. They're in a flexible position, even if they keep having a modest or even relatively low payroll of around $160 million still gives them about $60 million that they could spend this offseason just to get back to that level. And Shohei Otani will be making $30 million. So that would be about half the budget right there. Hopefully that's not actually their payroll figure, about $160 million. Hopefully it climbs closer to $200 million or even beyond. That's just a hope. I'm not saying how realistic that is. But you could certainly add a Shohei Ohtani, and when you talk about wanting athleticism and relative youth, he certainly brings that on the mound. It would be that, you know, he would solve the issue of they need a starter to perhaps re- replace or bring back Rodon, plus they need some hitters, and Ohtani does both. The one thing he doesn't do is play a defensive position. I get it. He's a pitcher when he's pitching, but other- when he's not pitching, he's just DHing. so That's the one knock on Shohei Otani. But so the shots at getting him are low. They're low for every team. And if they, if the angels decide to trade him, which is a question in and of itself, then you're going to have fierce competition. And also, I'm just not sure the giants, much like with Juan Soto, are in a position to like deplete their farm system to bring in somebody on a short term deal. So the only way it would really work for the giants is if they could extend Shohei Otani. After trading for him, so if you had to give up maybe one of Marco Luciano or Kyle Harrison and you know you can get Shohei Otani and extend him, you definitely consider doing that. And the fact is, Otani, as great as he is, would cost significantly less than what Juan Soto cost because Juan Soto came with two and a half years of club control, whereas Otani comes with just one year remaining. That was the status of Mookie Betts when he was traded to the Dodgers. And a lot of people complain that that deal, Dodgers didn't give up all that much to get Mookie Betts. And this is exactly why. Because Mookie Betts was only under club control for one more season. So the cost goes down the less control you have over the player. you uh, you know, you're getting them for less time. So you give up less is the reality. And then the Dodgers extended Mookie bets before they even played a game in 2020. So that would be the hope. But the shot, I wouldn't I wouldn't say, you know, put your money on this, it's going to happen. It's certainly a long shot, but it is something to certainly pay attention to as the off season unfolds. So coming up next, a lot more questions and answers. We're going to talk about how do the Giants fix their bullpen, which was such an issue last year, and how is their money best spent this winter? We'll get into all of that momentarily. But first, I really think Dress shirts are one of the more annoying articles of clothing we have to wear. They're uncomfortable uh, when you need to do some activity. You certainly can't like shoot some hoops or go golfing in these stiff, uncomfortable dress shirts. The dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man, and here's why. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident that a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's Wrinkle Release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. And with Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. Another huge annoyance of standard dress shirts. The commuter dress shirt shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to... Rhone.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash locked on and use code locked on. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Upgrade your closet with Rhone and use locked on to save 20% at Rhone.com slash locked on. All right, as promised, more questions and answers. We're going to go a little bit quicker through them. Sometimes those first questions get me fired up and I go into great detail. But the next question comes from now it's Joey Bart season who says, where do the Giants turn to upgrade the bullpen? Easily the worst fall off from last year. So this is a question I've kind of received a lot and have been avoiding in some ways only because I know the answer is not going to be satisfactory. So I think a lot of people think, The way to address the bullpen is like to sign a bunch of free agents. And while they may sign a few here and there, let me remind you that in 2021, they did have the best bullpen ERA in the major leagues at 2.99. And the way that they built that pen was very similar to the way that they built their pen this year. And so, yes, it needs fixing and yes, there needs to be some turnover, but the way that they... Built their pen that ended up being uh, the best in the major leagues last year was kind of picking up players off waivers and through minor signings and guys with arbitration eligibility, guys with teams team control remaining, so that there's flexibility and you're not locked into guaranteed contracts that are expensive. I mean, they're you know they signed Jake McGee, they signed Jose Alvarez to kind of free agent deals. So I think that they'll probably make a couple of those types of moves. But in this way, I will, I will point out that they, uh, kind of fixed their bullpen to some degree in the month of September. For example, the Scott Alexander acquisition. He was, I think, a minor league signing early in 2022 and he was rehabbing an injury and goes to the minor leagues, and then comes up and performs. Shelby Miller, kind of a similar story. I don't know if, I don't remember if they signed him as a minor league free agent or if they claimed him off waivers. However it was, it was a kind of minor transaction. And then Shelby Miller ended up being super impressive for the Giants. So I would anticipate more moves like that and smaller signings. And it may seem, uh, you may be like, no, they must go bigger. But the track record of bullpen arms, like, whether you pick them up that way or you sign them to free agent deals, it's the same kind of volatility. And my understanding is that teams have like studied this. How are the best bullpens constructed? And it's often like from within. It's not that you go out there and sign a bunch of free agent bullpen arms because they're so volatile. And if you give out these big contracts to bullpen arms and then they start to decline or they have a down season, as we saw, like plenty of guys for the Giants were like good uh, last year and then not good this year it can kind of wreck you in a lot of ways like think of mark melanson just as an example big free agent deal to a closer and he just really changed like instantly he was never the same guy with the san francisco giants and so uh shelby miller by the way is a free agent and he has expressed interest in coming back so i would expect him to sign uh shelby miller uh because he was so good and he wants to return, he's a guy to look out for. And you know, Scott Alexander has another year of arbitration. Thomas Zapucky kind of impressed me at times since he was brought over in the Darren Ruff trade. And so they already started that turnover. Alex Young, throw him in the mix there. Andrew Vasquez was pretty impressive with his one relief appearance in the last game of the year. So these types of moves, I hate to say it, but don't be shocked if We see a lot of that to address the bullpen. Maybe one significant free agent signing, maybe two, but that's not going to be how they build their pen. Next question comes from Sora Lug, who says, where is money best spent? Judge, bullpen, starters, or beef, beef up the farm system? So as I just mentioned, no, I don't think money best spent is on a bullpen because of the volatility. Starters, I don't think they need a ton of them. This is a big difference between last offseason and this offseason. Last offseason, Logan Webb was the only guy projected into that starting rotation who was under team control and was like either, yeah, under team control. They had to go out and fill out an entire starting rotation. And to their credit, they did a good job, ultimately. That starting rotation was a strength of the team. The defense didn't help them out, but definitely a strength of the team. And so Carlos Rodon will be a free agent, he'll reject, he'll opt out, and then they'll give him the qualifying offer and he'll reject that. And then he'll be a free agent. And so I do think bringing in one starting pitcher, at least a significant arm, is certainly money well spent, and they need to do it. Or a trade, could be Shohei Otani, could not. I mean, likely not, but it's a possibility in this crazy game. But I do think the money should be spent on bringing in at least one starter, I'm not entirely sure what you mean in terms of spending money to beef up the farm system, like buying, taking on a bad contract. That's always a good idea, in my opinion, if you can, if some team is willing to give you young talent in exchange for taking on a bad contract, I think that they should be open to that. But ultimately, I think money is best spent this winter on position player impact talent. And that exists out there. You mentioned Judge. Sure, why not? I mean, the why not is that he's going to be 31 in year one of a deal. And so you're talking about seven, eight years, really have to realize that you're talking about, you're going to have him under a big contract for ages 35, 36, 37, 38. You know, these are the years it's easy now to get all wrapped up in excitement about the current talent of the player. But really, I mean... Evan Longoria was like on a Hall of Fame track when he was around Judge's age, and then he just hasn't been that kind of guy with the Giants. And I'm not saying it's a direct comparison. I think Judge is better now than Longoria was at this time, but Longoria was an excellent major league player, and then the Giants brought him in for this part of his career, the kind of 32 to 36 part of his career, and how has it gone? Not great. And... A lot of Giants fans wish that they had never taken on Longoria in the first place. But so they got to be smart. They have to think about, you know, they have to factor in the aging curves and uh, pick the right guys. But position player everyday talent is where the money is best spent this offseason, in my opinion. So the next question comes from Rick, who says the Marlins were shopping starting pitching. Could the Giants trade for a starter and Jazz Chisholm? And Pablo Lopez, in parentheses here, one of the starting pitchers, that they were known to be open to trading. So this is an interesting idea. I have addressed this question before, uh, this pretty much exact question. And what I said at the time, and I'm going to say it again, is that the cost would be so great. And when I say cost, I mean prospect cost. To get Jazz Chisholm and Pablo Lopez, you're giving up, like, arguably both of Marco Luciano and Kyle Harrison. Okay, it's not going to be easy, and that's why a team like the Giants, that is in a big market and has this flexible payroll situation, like I mentioned, I keep saying, even if they came in at their modest payroll that fans are not happy with, around 160 million, would still give them 60 million to spend on this year's sal on 2023 salaries. So I would prefer them to bring in their impact talent by writing checks as opposed to giving up elite young talent and I get it people say well Harrison and Luciano might be good these guys are already good and there's a good point to that but what you're also giving up is years of control and so with Lopez and Chisholm I believe Chisholm has three years left of team control Lopez might be two years left of team control I don't have it pulled up but it would be a hefty cost to bring in these players Jazz Chisholm also I think had like a stress fracture in his back or something last year so that's a factor as well I don't think this is all that likely but Farhan Zaidi did mention in a KNBR interview that uh, sometimes like I said with free agents is that it's not necessarily the best way to get younger and more athletic because you're signing guys by definition who have been around a while and so yeah Jazz Chisholm is younger and more athletic so it's not the craziest thing in the world But maybe if you add in Pablo Lopez, the prospect capital cost becomes so great that I'm not sure it makes sense. But if just Jazz Chisholm was to become available, then certainly he's a guy who could make sense for the Giants. So coming up in just a minute, we're going to talk about openers. Are they going to keep doing this moving forward? We're going to talk about Evan Longoria. Are they going to bring him back? And Casey Schmidt, is he going to factor at the big league level next year and when? So we'll get to all of it momentarily. But first... All right, as promised, more questions and answers. The next one comes from Otis, who says, if they bring back Longoria, shouldn't they trade Davis? He's been good, but having both of them and Flores on the same roster seems like it's step one on the road to repeating the oops, all DHs lineup. I like that, oops, all DHs. That's a tagline of 2022 for the San Francisco Giants. But, I mean... Shouldn't they trade Davis if they bring back Longoria? So the first question is, will they bring back Longoria? We've kind of received mixed messages. Farhan Zaidi, you know, he had the quote uh, saying there's certainly a role for Longoria on our roster, but he, what what he then said was the question is what is the role, and made it clear that the role wouldn't be to rely heavily upon him. It would be to maybe have him as a as a guy off the bench who could pinch hit against a left handed pitcher and maybe go in for defense so i'm not sure that you can't have longoria davis and flores on the same roster but then david vr starts to complicate uh, matters because when you have the four of them on the roster at the same time then yeah davis and flores and vr kind of become that oops too many dhs but longoria i mean he can play the field and play it well so I don't know. The The fact is they have flexibility. J.D. Davis is arbitration eligible. They could non-tender him if they wanted to. They could certainly explore trading him. But as we saw, I mean, the Mets, all they got in return for J.D. Davis plus three prospects was Darren Ruff. And so I'm not sure quite how much value Davis has. As good as he was at times with the bat with the Giants this year, he you know, isn't a great defender, as you're alluding to here. And there's a lot of swing and miss in his game. And yeah, I mean, it's just not an overall extremely valuable player. And I think that the offense he could provide to the Giants is potentially valuable. So I'd I'd probably rather just hold on to him and we'll see what happens with Longoria. But yeah, I mean, hopefully they don't back themselves into that same problem again with too many DHs. Carroll says... Will we see the end of the opener? And unfortunately, Carol, the answer is no. It's not going away for the Giants and it's not going away in Major League Baseball unless there's some kind of rule change to prohibit it. But that would be hard to do because all you're doing is just taking out your starting pitcher after one inning. It's how can you make a rule against that, really? So I guess you could. There's probably ways to do it. And I just want to point out it is not only the Giants who are doing this. Every team. Almost every team does openers at some point at various times throughout the season. That being said, there ideally you have five, you know, starting pitchers who go out there and throw 200 innings. But the reality is when a pitcher goes down with an injury or whatever, the, uh, you're not just going to give that role to a minor leaguer who you figure might struggle. When you have bullpen arms who are, you know, if you look at the bullpen ERAs across baseball versus starting pitcher ERAs, bullpens are better. And so it's just, it's hard to argue with the logic behind it. I get that aesthetically, it's not people's favorite, but uh, they only did it so much towards the end of the year because they had guys go down with injuries and they also didn't have obvious replacements in the upper minors. Like if you look at Sean Jelly and what his numbers were, they weren't great and he's not a top prospect like Kyle Harrison so this going into 2023 if there's an injury in the rotation Farhan's idea said we could see Kyle Harrison early in the season in 2023 in the major leagues and so when you have arms that are ready to go in the upper minors then those guys will get an opportunity to fill in in that rotation but if you don't have that then we're going to see openers and if you don't have like great starting pitching you're gonna see openers and, and bullpen games in certain spots. Like they weren't doing it for Rodon, right? If you have five Rodons, you're not doing it ever. But if you don't, you do it sometimes. And a lot of teams do. GMAC 2023 says, Who do you think? Uh oh wait. Yeah. GMAC 2023, who do you think that they can package with LaStella to get a decent return? So I don't think they should do this. So I don't, I'm not necessarily gonna say who because you'd have to package like a good young player to get a decent return. And so, the Giants aren't in a position financially even though they have so few commitments for 2023. Uh La Stella is one of them and it's a significant one at 11 and a half million dollars. But the Giants aren't one of these teams that needs to be like giving up talent in order to part with a bad contract. They should just be able to say that contract, you know, it's a sunk cost. He's not producing for us. We're going to move on. And so I don't think they need to get a decent return. What he could be used for is, a, is you know, a, a exchanging of bad contracts for maybe a guy who fits the roster better, someone who's like a better defender, but also just has problems, but at least can provide something the Giants need right now uh, in a bad contract exchange or to just offset some money if you're taking on I don't know a player like Otani maybe you don't want to take on all 30 million and you can include La Stella I, I don't think they should do that because what it means for the Giants is that you're giving up more because the Angels would be taking on a bad contract so they kind of just have to bite the bullet with this one I think the idea of exchanging bad contracts may be the most attractive option if you're gonna try to trade La Stella. but uh I definitely don't think they should add talent to Listella just to get rid of the money. It is just one year, 11 and a half million, but it's over after 2023. Last question comes from Deleted User, who says, how major of a role do you think Casey Schmidt could play in 2023 doing a deeper dive into his minor league numbers? So is that two questions? I think it's how big of a role will he play and please do a deeper dive into his minor league numbers. So I think he could play a significant role. And the fact that he ended up in triple a is no small deal because it means he's very likely to start in triple a for the giants next year. Casey Schmidt is 23 years old. He'll he'll turn 24 in March and all he did was kind of hit at every minor league minor league level. And Oh, by the way, all he also did was play elite defense at third base. And so It could be, I mean, he literally, to me, could take over that third base position by the end of 2023. I think that would be the hope. It does like, you know, you think about the free agent shortstops. I keep thinking, I don't know, Carlos Correa, I could easily see him being able to play a good third base for the Giants, given the arm he has. I mean, it's just kind of, I could easily see that because you have Brandon Crawford under contract and... If you do that, how? where does Schmidt fit in? And say Schmidt comes up and makes a good impression, what do you do? I mean, you could have Schmidt at third and Crawford at short and Correa at second. I don't know. Suddenly you'd have really good defenders all over your infield and it would be exciting. So I think he could play a significant role. It'll be up to him. It'll be up to how he performs in AAA A as to whether or not he'll get a shot in the major leagues i would imagine if he just does decently well he will get that shot the bat doesn't even need to be great for him to be a really good player because of how plus the defense is i could do a deeper minor league a dive on the minor league numbers i think i've done this already basically he hit well he you know the the numbers are inflated in AA a a little bit by a 432 average on balls in play but it's above average power it's A good amount of contact strikeout rates in the low 20s instead of, you know, certain guys, Joey Bart, when he was in the minors, striking out like close to 30% of the time, which you don't want to see. It's a little too much. Not a ton of walks out of Casey Schmidt in double A, but in high A, he did have an 11% walk rate, 17 homers in just 93 games. And the defense is just so good. So it's a very intriguing package. And we definitely could see him in 2023. We're probably going to see Kyle Harrison. So I think finally in 2023, some of these young players who could actually be impact players will start to make that impact at the major league level, or at least that's the hope if things go according to plan. But these guys are close finally. So anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked On Giants your first listen today. Now make your second listen. The Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor and, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast Locked on MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please subscribe, hit the bell notification button, rate it. Whatever you can do. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who's done so already. Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.